Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to On My Block Packers podcast. This is, uh, is this now the Packers podcast? Or is this going to be an F- NFC or NFL playoff podcast? I'm not sure. I'm host uh, Mike Wall. <laughs> Amon Green, Packers all-time leading rusher, is with us this morning. Good morning, Amon. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good, man. Let's, let's get this uh, Bet Online AG, who's responsible for all our picks and mm-hmm. our, our money lines. Bet Online. Basketball's back, and uh, this is so good. I'll give it two intros. Basketball's back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, esports, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Let's start with this. Packers in the news because, obviously, they lost uh, last week to the Lions, kicked themselves out of the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing is, you know, what went wrong? We have a talented roster. We talked about this ad nauseum. I, I, I tweeted yeah. out a couple of days ago. There's probably somewhere around 20, 22 non-negotiable players on this team, guys that are like you need to have on a roster. They're good. They're good players. Um, mm-hmm. Given the salary cap situations that we're all just going to change, but you know, we have a talented roster. We thought we were coming into this 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 season with a top five defense and offensively, you've got weapons all over the board. We started, uh, or excuse me, we ended up 14 on offense and 17 in defense. Both were averaging 21.8. We 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 scored 21.8. We give up 21.8. Now I think mm-hmm. for most of the season we're actually closer to 17. On, right. on the offensive side of the ball, we're pretty bad. But when you, you know, AG, it's like really anybody, you don't have to be a statistician to draw a line between. If you're giving up about the same amount of points that you're that yeah. you're scoring, you're going to be yeah. about a 500 football team. We're just underneath that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's something, you know, it's just, you saw the, um, the development of the young receivers, you know, how that was an effect on the squad to then Aaron and questioning them and questioning other players that back and forth um, defensive backfield miscommunications all season long and it wasn't no quick adjustment until their life was on the line when they knew their uh, the season of life was coming to an end that's when uh probably two three games ago the defensive backs started really playing well um playing i say playing together not playing well but playing together as a unit and stopping uh wide receiver cores that they were facing in that time yeah i mean you, th- you just looking back at the, the minnesota vikings game we we're talking about this yesterday with somebody else it's like 
That was the first time. It, I'm sure there's a lot of things that happen that we don't we don't we can't evaluate directly because mm -hmm. we're not part of the, the meetings. But that was the first time that we saw on field performance that showed that they were now going to have they were going to take some accountability for the pre-snap communication and stop mm -hmm. putting everything post-snap. They had failed all year at post-snap communication. They started doing pre-snap communication, particularly with Justin Jefferson in, in, in the Vikings game. They found yep. success too little, too late. Then, you know, the, the Detroit game, they're much, the Detroit's a much more balanced team. The, the, the Vikings were on their third string center, second string uh, right tackle, rookie right guard. And they were uh, a team that likes to throw the ball 65% of the time, which is about 10 percentage points higher or higher, I guess, than, than average. So you get to a Detroit Lions team that has a great offensive line, mm -hmm. two good running backs, multiple wide receivers, a good quarterback. You're not going to be able to do the same stuff. Now, they did great defensively. I guess my point being that when you get to the 17th week of the season before you start making adjustments that are going to be really meaningful on either yeah. side of the ball, it's pro it's probably too late. You'd expect to see those in-game adjustments during the season. Yeah. Um, one thing that did stand out statistically, you talk about this this defense – Teams were running against this almost fifty percent of the time, so forty-eight percent of the forty-eight percent of the snaps on against our defense, which is good for thirtieth in the league. Teams are running the football, which means obviously that they're doing a really good job of giving up yardage. Right, five. They're at, the teams against us are averaging five yards per carry, and again, it, I go back to I, you. Just start looking at why. And mm -hmm. Last year, you could say, well, we're a bend but don't break defense. We play shell coverage. We're going to let you go up and down the field. We're going to try to stop you from scoring touchdowns in the, you know, from the red zone in or the high red zone in. Mm -hmm. When I look at it, let me ask you, do you think it's a philosophy problem or an execution problem? Um, a mixture of both. Because uh, philosophy, you want to stop people's run. That's like almost the first thing defensive coordinators go after uh, when they, you know, have the big group meeting and saying, hey, we got to slow the run down. Regardless of the running back, you always look to the backfield first because the backfield is an addiction to the offensive line and how good they are. You got a good offensive line, you're going to have a pretty decent run game. If you just have running the mill running backs that just know how to hit the crease, they have no, you know, no, no breakaway speed. It's not a size thing like a Derrick Henry or AJ Dillon. But if you just have a, a good line and average running backs, i.e. Patriots game, you saw that Stevenson and them had a good day running the ball. Zappy almost came in um, on the road as a third string quarterback and beat the team early from a, from that early season game. So the, those little question marks right there, just more of a mixture of both philosophy, you know, making sure you're hitting this, the, the broad tactics, the broad details in the meetings. And then obviously execution when the player then gets the whole game plan and it said, where is he? supposed to suit up at where's he supposed to hit the gaps in terms of the to fit into the a gap the b gap knowing his gap responsibility from a linebacker to a defensive back uh standpoint there's a scheme issue you know the other way to say that is there's a scheme issue in that you're probably not putting seven eight people in the box like you should for some of these plays because mm -hmm. you don't want to give up the big play downfield you want to play everybody in front of you you want to play with your chest facing the quarterback at all times if you're in the, if you're in the secondary mm -hmm. um and then the second part of that is you you have you still had some tackling issues. You still had problems getting off blocks for, for a good majority of the season. You think about Quay Walker as a young player a, who's going to be a good young, you know, good player in the league, mm -hmm. but had a really hard time getting off blocks, especially early on. He's still in this last game. You saw how many tackles did he make eight yards down the, down the field, right? Yeah. Because he's, yeah. he's not hitting those gaps. We talked about the difference between him and Isaiah McDuffie and Chris Barnes. It's just that your ability to hit, hit the uh, ball carrier in the hole. Mm -hmm. And those it's just those little things add up over time. You're just talking about you know three, four yards every single snap where they're getting free access for, for additional yardage. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, though. Kind of a bigger picture thing. 
when I look at this team, and I, I've had a couple conversations with guys across the league now, in, in, yeah. co- coaching positions, players, and and you know since since the regular season ended a couple of days ago, and one of the things that there's there's kind of two things that always come up in every conversation we have, and it just depends on you know if you're talking with if you're talking with a, a player, talking with a coach, talking mm-hmm. with a personnel guy, or an ex player. Yeah. There's there's a there's a change in football that we've talked about at nauseum, and I and it's it's that a lot of players just aren't as desperate than they used to be to kind of be their best because the vehicle mm. of football is mm. more important than football itself now. Yeah. Um, you, you want to talk a little bit about that? Cause I know, you know, how yeah. passionate you are about being your best. Yeah, I, I see. I, I agree with it. I, I see that kind of in across traditional sports. Now I see it in basketball a little bit. I see a lot more in basketball, unfortunately. Um, I've seen it in baseball for years, but in football, I think in the last 15 years, that's where the attitude has changed to where what what we talked about in locker room or we will hear all oh, guys are just it's just here for a paycheck. We will we will spit that out every now and then as a joke or we're just or we're in an argument with somebody. Because they were, just, they were minorities. Th- exactly. That was the minority. Yeah, right. That was a minority. And you heard it sometimes. So now it, it's kind of it's the visual, it's the realization of where I see players, even unfortunately at the college level, you know, when the whole NIL stuff be, became a thing a few years ago, the point guard from Miami saying, hey, look, I'm going to go to another school if I don't get this NIL deal up to this amount of money. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, if you really love basketball, I don't care what level you're at. It doesn't matter what you're making, as long as you're playing and you're winning and, and you're, you're with the group of guys and, and ladies and whoever's running the organization that all on sitting all on the same page to trying to win. So I believe that it, I, I, that's a true statement in my book. I see it. And I say it's up to the coaches to change that culture. It's up to the coaches to demand it from the players. Like, hey, I know what y'all, you know, y'all could walk out of this building and, and don't have to pick up another, um, you know, don't have to clock a punch a clock. You could do that. You know, I had coaches lead the meeting off with that. You know, um, when I was in Seattle, a few times in the running back room and in Green Bay, you're like, hey, y'all could walk out this door. But, you know, for you that have the that's been playing since you were five, that has the dedication, that has the want to and the passion inside your heart to go play and to be the best at what you do. This is what we got to do to get better. Because last week we we stunk it up on the field and now we got to do this or we got We stunk it up last season. We got to get better this season, you know, coming out of, into a mini camp meeting, what have you. You got to have that. And I say part of that is the player, number one. And then two, the coach, the coach to help reinforce that that mindset and that mantra. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, it kind of leads to the, my, my second point. There's two businesses in the National Football League. We don't talk about it enough. Everybody thinks that we belong. Let's say you belong to the Green Bay Packers, whether you're a, a player personnel guy whether you're mm-hmm. on the coaching staff whether you're whether you're an individual player on the team everyone thinks that your incentives are aligned and everyone thinks that you're all all in it for each other and i don't think that like the lo- obviously brand loyalty to the individual is now stronger than brand loyalty or loyalty to the team i mean we we show yeah. that athletes are entrepreneurs that more so now than ever before they 100%. understand they understand what's getting what's paying their their paychecks right like yep they understand uh, every player 100%. on this Every, every player would take a minuscule amount of money now more. There's probably, let me rephrase that. For all but about eight, six or eight teams in the National Football League, most players would take a minuscule amount of money more to go somewhere else because they value that money more than they value the relationships and whatever is being presented to them on that team. Mm-hmm. And the reason, my philosophy on the reason because of that is because we are now hiring coaches and coaching, the business of coaching is, 
get your foot in the door, whether you're a, whether you actually know what you're talking about, you're a, you're an ex player, you're a coach, yep. you've been high school coach, college coach, or you're, you, or you're somebody's cousin, <laughs> or you're a Vizio guy, or you're yeah. a computer software guy. And you, there's, there's a role that you can fill. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is, and like, you think about this from the perspective of the coach and then from this perspective of the player, the ultimate deal for the coach is, be, is to make a ton of money, get a head coach. Cause the job, like, let's be honest, the NFL coaching jobs are hard. Mm-hmm. Right. The hours suck. You're away from yeah. your family. There's a lot that they sacrifice. So the payoff is obviously the if, if they value relationships, the relationships. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you want to get to that. If You know, most of these guys are trying to make money like yeah. you make a ton of money doing this job because it's extremely hard. Not a lot of people want to do it. Right. But the problem is for me. There's a finite amount of time, somewhere between three and 10 years, if you're lucky as an NFL football player. Yeah, that's your time. To, that's your time to be successful. And we have too many guys that are coming into the league as assistant coaches, player develop guys that are developing our athletes. Yes, that are learning on the job. And what's what is so obvious yeah. when you see the Green Bay Packers, when you see you know eighty percent of the teams in the mm-hmm. National Football League, is you are teaching everything through scheme, teaching everything through. Uh, what can be learned off of the field and yeah. not focusing on the fundamentals of the sport. Like yeah. we, you and I watch a football game for the green Bay Packers. We can tell that they don't prioritize fundamentals. We can mm. tell they don't prioritize technique. We yes. can tell that they don't, we can tell that they don't compete in practice except for probably like small segments where they call each other out or, you know, all those things, mm-hmm. but the competition level in practice, we can tell it's not as high as it used to be because yeah. that's the way they perform. And yeah. there's only the, the, but the, the, the reason for that is most of these guys aren't old school. Like, this is how we learn. This is how we get better. This is how we improve resiliency. This is how we develop mental toughness. Mm-hmm. This is how we improve our technique. Walking through stuff doesn't do the job, right? No, no. And like, and like I mentioned, and all that sounds like to me is basically, you know, my mom and dad, my brothers, you know, showing me the way through, through traditional sports, through school through discipline. Um, and, I, and that's why I added that element when we first talk, started about talking about this is that it's a player thing that they got to look, you know, question themselves. But then the coaches got to like reinforce it. If they don't have a personal conversation with that player, what most individual coaches should do, mm-hmm. your online coach. I know, you know, Larry Bechtel, he's a he's a he's an acquired taste to have a personal conversation, try to talk with him straight. But any other most coaches usually get that connection to where they could talk you face to face. Like if you, they got a hard question to ask you and break it down. Like, why are you here to play? You know, why are you here to get better? Or you want to, you want to keep making them, you want to make the same mistakes or you want to get better. You know, you've been, I've been asked that as a player and it's like, no, I want to get better. Yeah. I want to, I want to know what I need to do in every situation from an audible, what happens when the audible is called, what I got to adjust to and vice versa. And so that starts, like I said, with the player, when they player gets up every morning, they understand what they got to do when it's football season time, when it's in the season, when it's training camp, what they're preparing their body for. It starts now for some of the guys with that, that don't have playoffs. They go into off-season development, off-season training, what they do on their own, you know, what the game plan is, where they know where they're going. They know right away, okay, I'm going back so-and-so. You're talking about you're talking about routines. Yeah. Right? Getting, they, yeah they, don't the, routinize their, they don't routinize their lives like they should. No. And they're not, and then you know they're 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 understanding. Okay, I'm doing this for the you know for next season or what have you. And you get to that season, and now you're paying the rewards of what you planted and worked hard in the off season. So it just it takes 
you know, it's the old adage where it takes a, a community, it takes a village, and it, it takes that. And sometimes, and and the, and the players and the coaches, like the development of, the, like you said, not having that on-field experience, coaches basically learning from other coaches or learning from a textbook, which is not a bad thing, but it's not everything. It's not everything you will know in, in any experience to develop players into Hall of Fame level players. If a player is a first round draft pick, that percentage is high for that player to become a Hall of Famer at the end of their career. If you have the coaching along with it, that's on a Hall, Hall of Fame level. But if that player is a first round draft pick, he's going to you know, flounder around a little bit. He might get it where he knocks it out the park because he's on a good team. He got a good situation, you know. You know, like for the Cowboys in the 90s or 49ers back then. But if he's in a place where coaching is not up to par, that talent is going to only go so far and it's going to fit eventually probably teeter out and fail. You know, for the for the hopeful, you teeter out. But then you realize, OK, I got to figure this thing out and get better at what I'm doing. The coaches are not helping me because they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> That's a real that's, thing. That's, like, that's you know. the problem, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's the, so when you, when you say it's the players, I'm not, I'm agreeing with you. Ultimately, it's like, you know, ultimate ownership, right? Extreme oh, yeah, ownership, Jocko own Wilnick. You, you, the buck stops with you. But the other side of that is most of these guys, a lot of these players, and, and let's just take about, let's just take the top 1%, the Patrick Mahomes, mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers, like the, those guys are going to figure it out. There's a handful of guys whether it's genetic, whether it's nature, nurture, there's a, right. they're, they're going to figure it out. Not everybody's like that. Correct. And so for the majority of the players, it's the, it's the place you end up. It's the coach. It's a coach you have in your room. It's the system you're in, right? At least in the beginning. So you can get your feet wet. It's like we always talk about with Quay Walker is a great example of like, the more you send him on missions and, and stop having him read, the more confidence he's going to build as he's playing live action in the game. Mm -hmm. But if, if you don't have a coach, if you don't have a culture that is that is fundamental first, mm -hmm. like Bill Belichick, if you are not fundamental first, if your guys aren't 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 gaining confidence because every day they're preparing at being the best at the basics of their positional requirements for their sport, and your coach and you're not doing it because you and listen, I know this sounds absurd to everybody out there, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of coaches just don't know how to teach it. No, they know how to teach scheme. They That's can teach true scheme statement. all day. But they can't teach footwork. They can't teach body angles. They don't understand. They don't understand how to transfer things from the weight room to the to the playing field. 100%. I mean, this is a this is a a real issue. This is why so many high level players go and find their own guys, right? Yeah, I they mean, go for to this reason. Places in Florida, places in Cali, places in Texas. Now, Louisiana, why do you think, yeah. Now, why do you think like this team like we're talking all about this because this does affect the Green Bay Packers. This is something that we notice. Right. This team is bad at fundamentals. This this yep. team this team is doesn't have the attention to detail with a lot of this stuff. It's not that the players aren't good. It's just they could be better, and they know they could be better. And and if but if they don't know how to be, this is the thing that is hard for you. Got to remember these kids are twenty one years old, twenty five years old. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, if you've been told all your life you're the best, hey, you're a great player. You went to a big college. You, you got yeah. talent. You know you're you're athletic. And now all of a sudden. You're swimming in this huge tank, man, and there's a bunch of sharks, and all those dudes know mm -hmm. how to bite. All those dudes know how to swim fast, and you don't know how to do those those things as well as everybody else. And you really don't know how to teach yourself. Well, now you've got a problem. Now problem. you have a real problem. And if you don't have somebody there holding you, not only teaching you but holding you accountable, it's not that they don't want to do it. It's that the easier thing to do is to act like it's not happening. 
And so it's so that's for the, me, and that's the worst thing to do too. It, it's but that you absolutely absolutely. So yeah. AG, this is to me a culture issue. How do you change the culture right now with everything else that goes on in in a, in a place like Green Bay? Oh man, oh, I mean, the people who are running the ship right now—that's where you start. You start with the coaches. All the coaches in that building have to question themselves, their philosophy, how they do, how they got there. You know, I met Matt LaFleur at Houston when I walked in the building there. He was um, a great, I think he was a graduate assistant from uh, one of the, I think it was a Western Michigan, played quarterback. He played a little bit of arena ball before he got to Houston. And and then after, you know, I left, I kind of, you know, kind of for a pup, like 09, 2010, I kind of lost where he went. But then I picked him up with uh, Kyle Shanahan, I think in Atlanta. And then he kind of bounced wherever Kyle went, Atlanta. And then I think he went to Tennessee in terms of LaFleur, and he went back to Atlanta and then out to San Francisco and then boom, 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 and then boom to Green Bay. And so um, during those stops and during those plays, I know Cal Shanahan. He has the pedigree from his dad, understanding, you know, philosophy, understanding coaching, how you coach players. And I think he's done a real good job watching him in 49ers, watching him in Atlanta to get the passion that passion we're talking about, that accountability where it's not passion. I say more accountability that he put, he gets to pull out of the players discipline. and you see the yeah discipline and then players play hard. You see the offensive side of play all the ball for 49ers playing great and hard. You see the defensive side playing hard, hitting hard, everything discipline is there. And so I think Matt somewhere quite missed that part of it. He has to learn. He has to develop it as a coach. Coaches, even though you're coaching, you could be the best coach in the NFL. As we know, you still can learn something. And so mm. that is something you could evaluate yourself on. You know what? We didn't because you look at the traffic, all the stuff that was going on, the, the storm that started the season, Devontae, you know, Christian and Romeo, you know, all the questions about them, all that big storm. You see how that and how, how they weathered, how the coaches weathered that storm. They didn't do a really good job with it. It was all, you know, media maybe affected them, but all that storm was going on, and that's when they started losing. They had the two game, they were two and one, and then five game losing streak. So that's where you evaluate yourself. You look at yourself and like look at that schedule. I will sit and look at, I will put the schedule on the wall, the 2022 season, and just look at it and just think about everything I did and what I did, what I could have done better to help my players get better on the football field, off the field, whatever it was, because there were distractions going on and they didn't, they didn't master, they didn't, they didn't handle those very well as and, a team. And AG, that's such an excellent, excellent point, man. And one of the things that we know happens in the National Football League now in organizations, I think it happens in college as well, is that the size, the size of the organism is constantly growing. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of it is frivolous or gratuitous, meaning yeah. that instead of focusing, like we, we always talk, we're playing, like we are, we take the perspective of players. We are like, if, if you put me in a building, the only thing I care about is if the guys I'm working with are playing better. That's, I literally don't, I don't care anything else about the game, yeah. right? I don't care about the, I don't care what color jersey I got on. I don't care what kind of slacks you gave me. You know, mm -hmm. I don't care. I just want the guy to be better. So now these guys have to worry about every day there's somebody coming in saying, hey, man, I got a new measurement system that's going to help your defensive ends measure how effective they are. Hey, I've got a new, uh, I've got a new, well, uh, there's a, there's a, we're going um, color rush this week. We got to pick out what kind of food we want on the air, you know, uh, right. on the airline. We got a, we got a, this person over here says going to, they've got a nose device. that's going to help every player sleep 15 minutes more a night. 
And they all just, and what happens is like, you start hearing this stuff. It's like, yeah. you get in these meetings that everyone's excited. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, Hire this guy, get, grab that company. And all of a sudden you've gotten so far away from what matters. Mm-hmm. The only thing that matters is, can I, for the player, uh, here's the easy guy, fans out there. You want to know what a player cares about? He cares about one thing. Are you going to help me win my 1v1 matchup? Yeah. That's it. Are you going to help me win it? Are you are you going to put me in a position to be successful? And are you going to give me the tools to find success? That's yeah. it. If you do that, I'll do I will literally do anything for you. I'll jump in front of a car, mm-hmm. like I'll do whatever you want. If you don't do that for me, all this other stuff, the jerseys, the nice locker rooms, the 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 the, the GPS measuring yeah. doesn't matter, man. And the stats are all the stuff like has a value. But directly improving on-field success is what I personally think a lot of t- coaching staffs get away from. And it's easy for the players to get away from it, right? It's easy. Because yeah, they're young. You know, most of them are young. And so and they don't know to they don't know to begin with. They never been that, taught. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it, it had a, it, it was for my journey. I had coaches in Seattle where that actually pulled me aside. The wide receiver coach pulled me aside one offseason, my first offseason, first and only offseason there. Uh, going into the 99 year and uh he's like come on i've been watching you catch the ball so i want you to do this because you you're great you could grab you could bring it in he said but sometimes you just kind of lose focus he said i just want you to start focusing on him. like so he t- he taught me a drill that he didn't have to teach me but he saw i was this is off season this is like the second week of off season conditioning and i'm the only running back in town so he's like okay you're only running back here and then you're working hard so that tells him, okay, he wants to learn something. So let me give me this drill. You know, he's not my wide receiver, but he's my one of my players. I am a coach for him. So he mm-hmm. gave me that, and I used that thing, that drill every day. Even when I got to Green Bay, I taught Tony, I taught Najee the same drill because it was like, okay, now not only am I decent, I'm a, I'm a pretty good running back. Now I could catch the ball. I'm a little bit better at that now. So no matter which angle I'm coming out the backfield, I could focus looking in, you know, flip my thumbs up or flip them down, whatever to do. And that was because – I, he knew he could sense I wanted to get better and I was tuned in listening to what he what he said to make sure I knew what I was doing when I got back out there, regardless if it was game plan or game field or on the practice field. A lot of a lot of guys will say that that, that you know, some of these guys don't want to learn. Some of these guys don't want to be great. And the, and the truth is, like all those guys just don't know their most of the guys that you're talking about just really don't know their limits. And most of the guys yeah. that you're talking about in any level, in any profession, in any given thing. They're just afraid and they're afraid of failure and they're afraid if they put themselves out there and they fail, you have to help. Like the biggest part of coaching is, is helping a player develop confidence. That's the only thing that That's matters. Right. Yep. Right. Sure do. Help helping, helping players develop confidence. so They can play with confidence on Sunday is the only thing that matters. And, and, and however you, you, there's different ways to do that. But you know, once you, once you kind of acknowledge that is that's more important than what kind of car you drive, what kind of haircut you have, how you look on the sideline, like right. all this other BS, man. Like what kind of commercials are you getting a soup commercial, whatever it is. Nah. Like it, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is, Hey, are my guys playing better because of me or worse? That's it. Yes. You figure that out. That's a coach asking the question to himself. Yes, indeed. We got some listener questions, man. You want to hit these before we do the NFC, the NFC preview? Oh yes, for sure. Let's hit it. Question one, AG. This is we hear this one all the time, so we don't have to go into great detail. But okay, okay. For the for uh, a question is why are we thirteen yards deep on third and eight? Is that a <laughs> is that a scheme problem? Is that a player problem? What what is your take on that? Um, as we talked about, you know, it's a scheme problem because the players obviously are going by what the coaches are telling them, mm-hmm. and so the call goes in. It's that situation pop up, and we saw it in last week's game, and it doesn't, you know, for them. 
it's like, okay, I'm doing my job. I'm not going to question that. They know what they're talking about. But if you're experienced, you understand the situation. It's like, look, I don't want this. I don't want to give him an easy opportunity to catch the ball. You know, me right. giving him a cushion, AR cushion, when it's only, when it's fourth and, what was it, fourth and two? Fourth, fourth and, and one, fourth and two. Oh, yeah. yeah, both of them, yeah. It's fourth and two. So that means I'm in your grill. I'd rather get a pass interference call and you not catch the ball and then me giving you eight yard cushion. I'll, I'll be sleeping. I'll sleep. I couldn't, I wouldn't even be able to sleep for the right. whole offseason if I'm a DB. For that situation, knowing even though it's the it's the call, then I'll be like, all right, hard up. I need to. This is different. Situ- this is situational that, football. That's now. ownership, though, right? So that's yeah. player ownership. So that's something that comes with confidence. That's something that comes with enough reps to understand. Like I know I'm understanding the situation because what happens with like a coach will call in a defense, and like they might forget, even though it's fourth and one. Hey, dude, tell tell you know Jair to press up. Like we can't be eight yards off the ball. They're just calling the defense that they call in this situation. The guy, the guys backed up where, where they think they're supposed to be backed up. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they complete the pass and you're going like, Oh yeah, should have done it different. Yeah. So that's where it comes in. Like players still have to own what they're doing. Even if the coach mm-hmm. makes that call, I'm not saying doing something different, but understanding the context by which, you, you know, the situation you're playing in. Right. And, and the, and the good, and the, and the coach that call, makes that call, you do what you, you know, you do, you make that play. Then you come to the silent, Hey coach, I just made an adjustment because it was four for short. I'm not giving. I'm beating him up. I'd rather, you know. And then coach would be like, a good coach would be like, yeah, you're right. For sure. I wasn't. I, I wasn't on that field at that time. Uh, okay. So here's one that. So there's one. What percentage of players being called at the line of scrimmage by Aaron? Unless mm-hmm. uh, we'll just say we'll just say we don't know, but we don't do. Know that, you yeah. could probably, if you went through every game, and you started looking at, um, you started looking at anytime he makes a check, and yep. or you started looking at any time that the offensive line is going one direction, and he throws like that a smoke route or something like yep. that to the other side. That's not necessarily changing the play, but that's certainly, you know, that's not, that's, that's something that's probably built into the offense. And so then you have to figure out from there, like anytime he throws a go route, yeah. maybe, maybe that is the, the signifier. So we really, I have no idea. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, you know, you see that he does the hard count too. He's fine. He's, he's reading the defense. He's trying to find out where they're, where they're blissing from stuff like that. So I'm going to broaden this question. The question is how can, how can we maximize our offensive line talent? Let's just broaden that. AG, if you, mm. if there's one thing, we've just been, I think we talked about all of it, but if there's one thing that you just say, hey, right now, I was, I'm going to walk in. I'm a consultant for the Green Bay Packers. Mm. What's the one thing that you would tell the, hey, Matt and they have to do what you ask? What right. is the one thing that you would do to improve the broaden, the, bro, maximize the talent on the entire team? On the entire team, maximize. Wow. Oh, man. Ah. I would let me see. Just thinking about it on the on the uh, here on, right on the now, fly, man. I on the you. fly, on the fly, I would, <laughs> I would, I would just say, I say, I would ask him, "Why are you here?" Mm-hmm. Simple question: Why are you here? Because you should. The answer should be relationship. You should be here to win. And so, to to be here to win, that means you're doing everything in line to that. That means starting at the minuscule little thing, waking up in the morning, getting hours of sleep, you know, making sure your home life is is situated the way you can function normal at when you get to the stadium. And then you get to the stadium, you know your playbook, you know your discipline, you know your techniques, you know everything you need to do, running back, linebacker, offensive tackle, guard, whatever position you are, you know it to the, the detail. Um, and to where even you then collaborate with your if you're old alignment, you collaborate with your your guard, your tackle, your center, your tight end, you know, your running backs. You understand what they know in terms of what you need to do on your run blocking place and vice versa. And all the positions are having that constant communication all around. Um, something so real simple question. Why are you here? You know, 
That's what yeah, I, I like it. I with. like it. I, I, I would very, you know, very simply, I would, I would institute that every coach is responsible for giving a player an individual development plan after every game, which just, it just very simply means we're going to look at the, the we're going to look at your plays. We're going to be a little bit, we're going to be a bit more detailed than we are in, in, in how we go about grading your plays. It's not going to be like a plus minus. It's going to be, we're going to figure out what you did wrong. It's going to take more time, but it's worthwhile because you're trying yep. to improve the, the development of your players. And after, after every one of those situations, you're going to go put in an individual development plan and we're going to show them the times during the day that we have carved out in our schedule, practice, post-practice, weight room, training room, all these different places, film study before or after, uh, before or after trainings, when you mm -hmm. can carve out this time to improve what you need to improve on, be very specific. Yeah. You don't overload them one or two things and we're going to work yep. on it every week until you yeah, get it right. Tough. You so, got all, all seasons long. You got a lot of stuff you can work on, you know, right now. <laughs> uh, this one, we'll we'll hit this one in the in the film. What are the differences between Green Bay and Niners in the run game? I'll just I'll I'll answer this one real quick. It really comes down to um, they put their their guys in position to be successful more often than not. But but really, it's mm -hmm. because they have George Kittle and, and Kyle Juszczyk, and we don't. I mean, I'll I'll show you on tape. It's yeah, it's glaring. Yeah. Yes, it is. Let's hit the uh, let's hit some of this wild card preview stuff. So obviously, because the Green Bay Packers uh, didn't quite make it the cut, we're going to look at all the teams they could have played in the NFC. Um, so the first game is, is San Fran minus 10 versus the Seahawks. And I'll be yeah. honest with the AG. I, I'm a Seahawk guy. I'm a Seahawk fan, an ex-player. So are you. Yeah. Um, but I didn't even put them on here because this is really about what this, I think for me, what Seattle brings to the table on, on, on both sides of the football dominating the trenches. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's check this out. First and foremost, like you got this dude, uh, he doesn't Bosa. even make a sack on this play, but Bosa, you just watch like, Look at this speed, bop, bop, and just takes that inside. Now, most guys right now, most teams are going to chip you at the line of scrimmage or hipped off instead of coming from the back like we used to because a lot of guys are figuring out, oh, I'll just ricochet, go inside, and they're getting a ton of quarterback hits and sacks. So they're doing this on the line of scrimmage. Even with that, he it's like he almost doesn't even break stride here when he gets hit. It's like, oh, okay, I'll just go inside, dive, yep. and make the play. You know, quarterback, and, he got killed. <laughs> These guys, led by D'Amico Ryan's, the, the the great football player, but now defensive coordinator for the Niners, man, they yep. are playing with their hair on fire right now. And every one of these guys, safety down, are unbelievable. So they move, uh, they move them inside. They take Aaron, Eric Arn seven or ninety one outside, and they're going to run a, a three man game here. We're going to go, we're going to go tackle down. Stand up linebacker is going to cross the center's face to the left guard, and they're going to they're going to drag fifty six all the way around here. And this is like a simple pickup. Usually, this really isn't that hard for an offensive line. Mm -hmm. but when you're just playing with speed and ferocity, and you see how, um, you, uh, oh, Jesus, what's his name? Now I just I just lost his. Uh, I just Bosa. lost my train of thought. But you see how Bosa. Oh, Bosa. Yeah, you see how Nick Bosa penetrates here, mm -hmm. and because his penetration gets offline with the center. They can't bounce back. And I mean, this this quarterback just has no chance. You just see, like, they're having, they're like having a damn picnic. Yeah. In the, the quarterback. quarterback. You know, it's not just one guy's getting there, you know, and, and like it just it's pops off the screen when you watch their tape, man. It's insane. Now yeah. I showed this. This is a speed to power play. And a lot of guys wonder. So you see, Bosa's got his outside hand down versus the inside hand down. Okay. It's mm -hmm. something that's interesting. It's like, well, why why do teams do that? Well, in this case. If you have your outside hand down, that means you're going to – like right now, his right hand's down, his right foot's back. He's going to go step, and then right foot, and left foot, down. And, then, and then on that third – on that on that second right foot, so your third step, 
that's when you're going to you're going to attack. Now you yeah. do the opposite when you have your left hand down. So it changes the timing. What's unique about this guy, he's so good with his inside hand and so good with leverage, has such good bend. You look, he runs right up this line as he makes the play on the left tackle here. One, two, three. And now he comes in and you see this, this lineman's like, man, that was fast. Turns his shoulders. And now he's just catching. You see Bosa's got his left hand, his inside hand winning. This, yeah. this, this offensive line is chest plate. Yeah, dude, not punching, extending, leaning on the guy. And like right here at this point, I'm just telling you from experience, offensive line wise, if you're in this position, the dude's just trying to run through you, you got real issues because you're not going to separate from him. Yeah. yeah he has you close because he's able to, uh, pray. he's basically pressing you and, and pressing you with your legs and his legs and his arms into the quarterback. It's, it's a full body. It's like the hammer jammer machine. It is. You know? It's like full <laughs> extension, triple extension, ankles, knees, and toes, uh, arms yeah. out. It's all, it's all you can eat. Yep. These guys Doesn't are not fair. just like they got they got Fred Warner, they got great safeties, they have a Troy Palomalu uh protege. Uh and Watonga, is it Fatonga? How do you say yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, man. They are they are <laughs> I'm not even gonna try, but they are so much fun to watch. And yes, like, they are. this guy doesn't even make the play, but he actually makes the play that makes the play. So they're running running a wide receiver screen. You see, he braces up. They're supposed to push off this. He braces up and ends up winning outside leverage. The inside receiver can't get out to make the play on 25. Just can't get out here. Too much speed, too much aggression. And then, like, at the end of this, you see they just start going out a little bit because that's a tight end. And he's like, dude, you're not, you got nothing on me. Like, I, these guys are just ferocious, just absolutely ferocious. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they've got so many weapons. And Brock Purdy's playing really well. He's playing in the in the context of what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do. He's making great decisions. Sometimes he gets off the spot a little bit, but throws a good ball, super smart. You see they got Yushik out here. There's two things going on that are awesome in this, right? So they're going to run one of their many talented running backs or slash wide receivers across <laughs> the ball, right, to, yeah. to move the defense. And then they make this block easier. Yushik's being covered by number 21. Now, 80, they want 81 to block the defensive end. That is a really hard ask. Like, we know how difficult it is. Not everybody has Mercedes Lewis, okay? And Mercedes no. can't always be in the game. So this is a really hard block for 81, but check they do such a good job of, they show like a crack look here, and they're going to they're gonna fake crack, widen him. 81's got an easy block. Everybody's just running to the right. We had double team, double team, except for your best player, all pro Trent Williams who does a great job of absorbing this backside three technique. So let's watch you check first number 44. Mm -hmm. This is just smart football, right? Like all you yep. need to do is touch him. He turned yeah. his shoulders. Now it's easy for, it's easy for 81 to block him off the screen. He can use check and rise up. Yeah. And then on this, on the backside of this dude, like from a running back perspective, you got double team, double team. And then Trent Williams just absorbs this guy and just creates like a vertical Gap. A vertical lane. That's all you want. That's what you're looking for. Just give me something, a little slice of life mm -hmm. to get through, the, get the get the ball upfield and make some plays. And that's what happened right there. So now they got, we talk about Kittle and Juszczyk. These guys, they can do it all and they block full speed. And because they play so fast, like the pace of by which that they do go through their motions and everything has an effect on the defense, right? From the, I'm mm -hmm. talking about the linebackers getting disoriented, the safety's being disoriented. Maybe the defensive line, depending on what team you're playing, has to shift real fast. Mm -hmm. But they are just – so Juszczyk goes in motion here. And then they follow through, and they're essentially running power, gap, whatever you want to call it, yep. counter, with their tight end and their fullback. Mm, coming up familiar. through. 
And the only way you can do that, and I mean, from an offensive line perspective, this is like a this is literally a free run. Like you never get free runs in football. This is a free run for the offensive line. They're all just gonna block to the left. Everyone's just gonna block to the left. The right guard's gonna rise up to the to the linebacker's gonna get confused by all the motion. Debo Sam is out on, is gonna have to come in and, and, and block. But because they have use check at fullback and he's very comfortable going up and button up this defensive end right in the face right here. Like not a lot of guys are just willing to go hit that guy helmet to helmet anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. They're trying to cut yeah. him. They're trying to do all this stuff. McGlinchey, the right tackle does a good job of collapsing this hole. So actually Kittle could even cut even quicker, mm -hmm. but ends up finding a guy to block number 47. And it's just another 10 yard game. And this just adds up over the course of the, uh, of every game you watch with these guys. Yeah. This repetitive bludgeoning with the ball. You know, right up the middle, slow you down, beat you up, and the, and the, and then across what what we used to do, all the motioning that makes another layer of confusion for the defensive backfield, defensive yeah, line, the, linebackers, everybody. And I don't, it, you know, a lot of teams try to motion, but it doesn't work because they don't have the guys. It's like, you know, you run a slot receiver across the across the the um, formation. Yeah, you have to make some adjustments, but these guys are always sprinting. One. Two, I think I think this is Christian McCaffrey. So Christian McCaffrey is now sprinting across. Yep. And Kittle and Kittle's gonna find him. So now they're going, oh, all the linebackers are going, oh hell. Well, that's Christian McCaffrey. Kittle's following him. What are we doing? So this kind of looks like the same play, right? Yep. It now does. they're going out the front side. Why? Give it to Eliza Mitchell. Yeah, because all the dude, look at the linebackers. Like, look how this affects 47. And 56 in the middle. Look at their look what they do. Look where 56 ends up after this play. Look where he is. Dude, you're in Egypt. You know what I mean? And it happens. Right, nowhere. This is like when you ask what the Niners are doing that the, that the Packers aren't. There you go. Speed, power, execution. aggressiveness. Yeah. The components is your execution is the simple answer, right? Yep. The components are, are, are speed, power, and execution, though. These guys are physical, they play super fast pre-snap. And they just execute at a high level. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Dude, use check. You got double hipped off look. I love, dude, this was like watching. This is football porn for me, man. I was watching this yesterday. Like, you got to be kidding. This guy's amazing. So we got double hipped off look, something that we do all the time. We just don't have a fullback, like a, a real fullback. Use mm check -hmm. goes in motion. And now they've got a toss look with Christian McCaffrey. You've got the double team with the left guard and the center, uh, Jake Brendel. You got Yushek lean out. And look, all these linebackers are just taken off, dude. Because when you, back in the day, if you were in I formation and you took a pitch, you're taking that thing to the sideline. Yeah. Yep. They're not sure. doing that anymore. Now, now it's, this could be like night, this could be like a, a seven hole, a five hole play. They're showing the toss motion to get all these guys to run. They're selling Yushek to get these guys to run. The blocks on the backside are super easy, great angles for the right guard and the right, and the right tackle. And now, like, they secure that double team, make him turn his shoulders, cut off the double team, another eight yards. Like, that's easy football, man. And if you look at it, really, your offensive line doesn't have to be very good to do that. Mm -mm. You know no. what I mean? You go back and watch this, and this is the difference to me. Like, they have – Trent Williams is all-world first ballot Hall of Famer. But he's not really doing anything in this play, right? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have to. Yeah, you no. can't get beat inside here if you're, if you're Kittle – yeah, McGlinchey's got it. Got got to cut off that backside of four eye, which is not really a tough block for him. Mm -hmm. But all these guys, like, it doesn't really matter if you block these guys well or not, dude. It's like, can you secure that 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 shade? And then Christian's let the running back do his thing. Yeah, let the running back work. You know, Lyman just get in the way and 
run their feet is the way they put it with that play right there. And it's designed to cut back. It's not even designed to go to the sideline, go to the edge. You could if you want to because you have the speed in the backfield. With with all that said, are you agreed that we're that, that San Fran's going to walk out of this game? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's going to be they're going <clears> to <throat> beat up somebody, beat up so, some players. <laughs> so the second game of the weekend is Dallas. I'm talking about NFC guys, the Dallas Tampa game, and, and this and listen, we can talk about Tampa and 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 Mike Evans and, and Tom Brady have a relationship again, and they're, I mean they're you know they seem to be looking at Via Vez back healthy, so they're playing well on defense. They're playing better mm-hmm. than they did in the beginning of the season. Um, the the Dallas Cowboys are it's going to be 100% all about the Dallas defense obviously but really Dak Prescott man I mean yeah, Dak Prescott Dak Prescott is just not playing he's got 15 picks this year and he missed yeah. 5 games he leads the league in picks and he's got 5 games uh, uh less than everybody else they're they're, they score 27 and a half points in the league. They're top for number four. They're well-balanced. They run the ball. It's almost 50-50. It's 48-52, run to pass, Number good for number 10 in the league. And you see, like, I, I highlight this play again. I don't always highlight plays that get a ton of yards. I highlight plays that, like, show you that they're well-coached. This is Joe mm-hmm. Philbin's, this is Joe Philbin's stat, uh, uh, coaching uh, group. So yep. their center, you see they're going to ace with all pro Zach Martin, right guard. He has a little ace block here. Bank immediately sees that we're showing a little with the against the rookie. We got, I think that's Deron Payne, the defensive tackle, showing a little. So he's going to come over and slam that and just take that off and let the linebacker make the play four or five yards deep. Like that is a little thing that when you start talking about details and you start mm-hmm. talking about coaching, you start talking about culture, that is a little thing that we do see from guys like John Runyon Jr., but we're not seeing across the board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You watch Dak here, and Dak's this is the throws open right now. They're, he's gonna he's gonna run a slant, throws open, but he's just not he's just not taking it. And where he's feeling the rush and this and that, they've got a couple different guys playing offensive line. So now trying uh, Tyron Smith's back, but he's playing mm-hmm. right tackle. So it took him a little while to get used to it. Yeah, he's Jason, on the side. Jason Peters is playing left tackle. Jason Peters, is, dude. Jason Peters was one of the baddest dudes I've ever seen play football. Right now, you know, he, he still looks good, you know, at times, but, you know, he is older and it's easy to beat him inside. When, when you start looking at the, the talent on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, you know, you, yeah, they, they they're kind of spaced out. You know, Vita Vea Vita is actually leading them in sacks, which is kind of nuts to think about. But Joe Tryon is a guy, he's a first round pick last year. I just see him mm-hmm. kind of giving peter's a little bit of trouble because he does a great speed to power with an inside bull and dak you just see he just kind of he's he's just kind of seeing the rush a little bit more than you'd expect like this mm. kind of look right here when you've got a stacked defensive back outside on your your number one wide receiver on a three by one look and then you have it backed up by the uh by by the corner well you've got to probably know that you need to go over to the three side Right. Like, in mm-hmm. other words, they're going to they're going to reroute this guy for sure. And what's interesting about this play is like Dak comes over and is looking. And it's like, what are you looking at? You know, and so now you feel like, oh, I got to start scrambling, blah, 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 blah. And you give up a sack when I, I think maybe when he's in a better frame of mind mm-hmm. before his injury. I don't know if you see some of these these kind of errors. Right. Because it's not like this is. Uh, One, two, three. Boom. Ball yeah. Should be. This isn't this isn't a collapsing pocket early, nope. right? Like he's got no. space. Yeah, you only got about maybe three seconds, if that. So third step, he's on that back foot. That should the ball should be out. 
And even right here, get rid of the ball. You know, those sacks, like yeah. those mean something to offensive linemen. Those mean something to the quarterback, the psyche of the team. So 100%. It's, it's just interesting. And, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are actually eighth in the league in sacks. They don't have a guy higher than six and a half sacks. But mm. they've, they've let's see, eighth in the league at 43 sacks this year, which is nuts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. So you look at Jason Peters right here. We're talking about it. You just see this inside bull. And he feels that pressure. Got to get rid of the ball again. You know, this like you watch the first half of this game really until the two minute drive. Dak doesn't look great. You got mm. an open. You got an open stick right here. Doesn't hit it. Now throws the ball away. Almost gets it picked off. Mm -hmm. And like literally very next play, bro. Yeah, it is. It was the next play. You got, you got outside leverage here, and you can throw the quick out against outside leverage right here. You can throw it right. He's there. But you got to throw it in his hands. Yeah. You know, you there's no room for error here. No yeah. room for error. And that's just like, you know, that's elite. When you talk about elite level quarterback play, that's that's where we're at. So what, what do they do? They have to sit down and start running like five yard stick routes. And you just see the, like the evolution of their offense from this point on was like, OK, let's just give him just as much as he can eat. And it's not as a, it's not as dynamic. He took a couple shots deep, but they were 50 50 balls could have mm -hmm. very easily been picked off. See behind quick, him. Yeah, just just timing's a little bit off. Um, and really for yeah, this guy's rush. in his face, you know, you, you see that rush, you feel the rush. But again, I if if you're a top 10 quarterback, top five quarterback, this isn't that's that's not what you expect. Yeah, that shouldn't that, that shouldn't stutter you off your throw right there. Shouldn't stop you off your throw. I think generally everybody thinks if Dallas can run the football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they should be able to win, right? Because they, they take away some of this the, the issues that, that, that Dak's having in the in the passing game. But look, this play, two-minute drive, he put a great drive together. They're you say they're playing too high and they're gonna trap. They got trips, trips down to the left, talking about Dallas Cowboys. They're gonna they're mm -hmm. gonna go tan and trap the inside receiver with the backside safety. As soon as Dak sees this right here, he knows that that slot has to be open because the uh the play side safety is not going to is not going to also trap the uh the second slot yeah this makes a well. great yeah it just makes a great throw in a tight window and like if if he delivers like that do this team this team could honestly if he plays like that throw that one rep yep. if he plays like that they can go a, a, a great distance but there's a lot of tape right now that's showing that He's kind of feeling the heat a little bit. He's he's I don't I mean he's I don't think he's seeing ghosts by any means, but he doesn't look like this is a con this is confident footwork, right? Yeah. Steps into his throw and everything. Exactly. Exactly. He's just it's gotta be a me something going on in-house. Hopefully he gets it straightened up before the weekend gets here. So he we see the quarterback that we've seen when he's playing at the top level. So last one here, man. Now this is our uh Vikings Giants. And uh they're hot. Vikings like Vikings average 25 points a game. Yeah, 35% rushing we talked about. So when Kirk Cousins is on, it's great. When he's not, it's not great. Justin Jefferson mm -hmm. had 1,800 yards receiving, dude. Like, he's big time. Kirk Cousins was sacked 46 times this year. No 46 sacks, man. And we've talked we talked about it before the Packers game. Like, yeah, he doesn't, he just doesn't see what's about to happen. He doesn't have that pocket awareness. I mean, once I started watching, really watching him. Cause I'm like, why are they losing these games? I said, let me look at, let me pay attention to the backfield when the pocket, when he's throwing the ball and what happened. And sure enough, you know, we pointed it out last week, last couple of weeks before, you know, two weeks ago, it was like, man, he is not looking around. 
not that he look you don't even have to look you just got to use your peripherals to see who's coming down on you and to step up step left step right or step back and get out of the pocket to give yourself a chance at least to throw the ball away at worst case scenario the biggest question mark i think for this team is not really kirk cousins right now though. i think i think it's the, the the center the play of the the rookie right guard but the center's on the third string guy um and then the right tackle is going to be a backup yeah. And you just yeah. see here, we talk about Ingram number 67, and we wanted to pick on them all, all season as well. But this is against the Chicago Bears, you know, not known for their defensive line, but just manhandles, gets back in the backfield, tackle for loss. Um, this is a recurring theme in this game. We got some slant looks now. So they're going to run the slant, they're going to run 45 down. And this is a communication thing. You have a tight, I mean, this like this is what we call an external cue. If I'm the right tackle and I see his stance, I see the tightness, I see the way the the, the body position is. I'm mm -hmm. I'm making a slip call. Whatever the guard was going to do, we it's are off. now going to double team this, so I don't have to come out and I can make this hit. Like you always have to prioritize inside out. He thinks he sees the safety late and jumps. That's problems, man. The safety is not going to make the play if the if the running back hits the hole hard and hits the ball tight. Mm -hmm. Yep. Constant communication. Technique, we talk about it all the time. You got to step inside. You have poor footwork. You step, you, you, you get like, if I can tie your shoelaces together, it's going to be a bad play, <laughs> right? That's pretty much the easiest way to look at it, isn't it? Yep. I like that. Yeah, the footwork's too close together. Not in the right position. Can't use your power. We talked about Kirk and, and just kind of what happens when situations get a little tight. And like, he's not really, there's no pressure here. There's no reason no. he can't throw the ball. But sometimes, you know, you, you just get locked onto a guy. And and one of the things about Kurt is when we talk about hot and cold, he's at he 29. Sorry about that. He's got 29 um, touchdowns, but he's got 14 picks. Oh, yeah. You know, so so as, so as we said, Dak Prescott has 15, you know, tied for the league lead. Well, he's in, he's in a very close third place with 14. That's not a great year. Yeah, not a good year. So if they're in the right mindset, Kurt and Dak, then it's going to be the game. For their team but if they're not something rocks them off their their mark of being the quarterback they should be come saturday come sunday then it's going to be a, a short seat short playoff season for both teams i put wink on there because of wink martindale the defensive coordinator for the giants and this dude likes to bring it man um they're fun <laughs> to watch like honestly they're fun to watch they got a couple of dexter lawrence and, and williams inside or you know arguably the, the you know the nfc east just has tandems of defensive tackles all over the place it's nuts like the Eagles, the the yep. Commanders, these guys. I mean, Leonard Williams, Dexter uh, Dexter Lawrence, really Dexter Lawrence, Pro Bowler this year. I mean, they're playing. I think he just made all all Pro on the NFL PA team. Mm. But you see that they're showing six, and and they're going to drop one, bring six on the other side. Oh, here he comes! And this is against the first team offense for the Philadelphia Eagles, man. This isn't like you're not playing against Sisters of the Poor here, or the second string. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they, yeah. These these guys are they get down the red zone. This is a couple of plays earlier. They got everybody up. They're showing it, and they're going to bring it. Like, hey, we'll bring more. We're comfortable. This is what Wake Martindale does. We're comfortable bringing this. And you got to do that. You got a potent offense like what Philly has or any team they're going to face in the playoffs. Um, you got to do that. You got to make sure you bring more what they can block. And and we talked about it with the Vikings. It's like if you get – and this is what we did with Justin Jefferson. If you get him off his first look, you can, you might it, be able to get problem. there. You, yeah, yep. you might, it might be a problem. Pro progression read is a bit slow basically.
this is the uh this i didn't i put this on here i didn't realize this is the hit that came on thibodeau got, you know started doing the snow angels looking like an asshole by oh, the way okay. did you see did you see his response to that he was like he acted yes. like he didn't know who jeff saturday was yeah like, yeah I like saw. bro everything <laughs> that i thought about you before the draft with the way you were talking about you're going to build your brand in new york and all this like you're not really worried about football stuff like, yes Thank you for making me like not, I, you know, I, I felt, I felt judgmental for a minute and then I heard you yeah. talk again. I was like, Oh yeah, I got it. Uh, yeah. There yeah. You go. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder. But the Colts do a good job here of offensive line wise. You got to take most dangerous, the running back. Listen, Nick Foles is, I think the third strings quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. So he, he has to know the running back's not going to block him or the running back's got to block him one, one way or the one other. Of the two. Right. Yeah. But you know, they're, they get home. They saw they had two guys free there. And then you look at Dexter Lawrence, man. This is going up against Quentin Nelson, who is no joke. He's had a down year, but, dude, this guy's legit. He's probably the best, most yeah. powerful physical specimen guard in the league, and he just gets absolutely walked. I mean, you, wow. just, don't, you just don't see that very often, man. Mm, interesting. Interesting. To see and that. Uh, he kind of peeked behind him, too, like he was wondering if he was going to hit somebody or something. Yeah, yeah, we need to want to make sure it's, it's, we fat guys don't like to fall down. I don't I know no. that from experience. You see Thibodeau here; they're going to bring they're going to bring four off the edge. And listen, one thing you can do the the Niners, Hawkinson's a great player. He's not a great receiver. You can attack their tight ends, and you know why more teams don't just attack tight ends. I don't I don't really understand, but just the concept here. If I'm going to drive block this tight end into the backfield and just make plays like this, I mean, when you're Wink Good. Martindale and you're moving your guys around a, a ton. This is just the opportunities that you have, right? So, yep. Um, so but, real quick, I I, I got to jump. Um, okay. Get, get to my other podcast. So, hey, Mike, great job today, as usual, doing your thing and doing our thing. And so, gonna watch. I'm gonna watch some playoff games this weekend. See, right, see what see what happens up. See what ends up. So, and you can find me on uh, Instagram and oh, not Twitter anymore. I got hacked. <laughs> I got hacked on Twitter. So only on Instagram or Mind Green Thirty. Hopefully soon I may be able to get my account back. We'll find out. But yeah, um, on, Instagram and Mind Green Thirty, and then Gamers Lounge, which I'm about to hit right now um, on YouTube Live. You could catch me on that right now. Excuse me, um, Mind Green's Gamers Lounge there as well. So Mike, man, be well. I got everything switched over. Talk to Gus. So if you didn't get no message or he, he said he resent, we'll the, talk about uh, it later. Yeah. So we got that going. All right. So have a great weekend, man. And in a couple weeks, I'll see you because next week. I'm out there in Nebraska doing all the onboarding and all that fun stuff. So, all right. See you, all right. See you. All right. So, finishing up, listen, uh, some of the things I didn't cover, I probably should have. The San Francisco 49ers are number one on defense and everything. They're number one in points. I'm going to run in, in uh, let's see, uh, the Niners, number one in turnover margin, number one in defense in the NFL, 16 points per game, number six in offense. Um, defensively, they're number ones in yard per, yards per game at 300, number two in at yards per carry for rushing, um, 77 yards total, which is nuts. Like 77 yards allowed in the in the ground is ridiculous. The average run in the league is like 120, 130. So think about how good that is. They run the ball 48% of the time. Um, that's just a really fun team to watch. That's actually my pick right now. The Philadelphia Eagles depends on Jalen Hurts shows up as uh he was a little bit rusty. Obviously, we saw some of that, that Giants game. You know, if he comes back, the, the Eagles just they have to be the favorites because of Brock Purdy, really, the quarterback position is going to be the differentiator there. But, man, oh, man, you you cannot watch the San Francisco 49ers and not be a fan of Kyle Shanahan, not be a fan of George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, all, Debo Sam, all those guys, man. They can 
ball. They all play extremely hard. Like just have the right attitude about them. We talk about it right now with the Packers side. Like what's the difference? The difference is in the details. The details allow you to play with aggression, allow you to play with confidence. And those guys are just all over the field going for it. A very, very fun team to watch. They might be my pick for the NFC right now. I just think they're I just think they're really good. That defense is that defense is no joke. That last game we talked about, Dallas, uh, the Vikings are, are favored by three against the Giants. I think the Vikings will probably pull that game off at home. The Giants defense, I really like that 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 offensive line for the Vikings is going to be a real problem because they have so many injuries. Playing that third string center, man, it's it's just you're getting down to a point where that's a development guy and you're playing him in a big game in the playoffs. It's gonna be really difficult. But I still have the uh I still have the Vikings. Dallas is two and a half at the Bucks. That's a Dak game. It really is a Dak game. If they run the ball, they'll win. Um, I think what you're finding is, and we talked about this last week, I think, you know, Cooper Rush had a lot of success when he came in and played for Dallas. And what happens when you your first team guy gets back, your star, your $150 million quarterback gets back, is like you change the offense. They're throwing the ball 30 times a game. Every time he throws the ball 30 times a game, he turns the ball over when you do that it's a big issue yeah eagles defense somebody bring the heat asked about eagles defense eagles defense is legit right eagles defense but they're not they're not the san francisco 49ers defense just watch the tape man i it's they are really really good dallas has mccarthy too yeah well listen mike mccarthy um leadership gets stale no bill belichick is an anomaly leadership gets stale and leadership gets stale, especially when you have a quarterback that's an all world quarterback. And you saw that with Tom Brady and and Belichick, right? Like they, I don't know if they had a falling out, but it was time to move on. And Belichick wins the Patriots time to move on. Well, Rogers kind of won the McCarthy time. to move. They had their time together and we could talk about, yeah, they should have won more of this and that, but like, that's not just the head coach. And we saw a couple of things, I think down in Dallas with, the clock management questions like man the guy's a good coach he's a good coach he coaches his guys hard dan quinn's a great defensive coordinator i think bringing him in was a, a godsend for 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 mike you're dealing with a quarterback who's going through some stuff right now injury wise mental space wise they have a great team they've drafted well like they if Dak plays well they could go really far in the playoffs you know and, and mike mccarthy again like mike mccarthy has a he's a good coach who has a good staff uh, we just sometimes I think he's unfairly judged in Green Bay just because leadership gets stale. Like six, seven years after that, it's tough to have your message go across. All right, guys. Uh, the last thing I want to say is the NFLPA came out with an all pro team. So go check it out. Like this is I wish they would have done this years ago. I don't know if they're going to have a second team. They just have first team out right now. It's such a great thing. It's kind of like the NFL 100, right? And listen, players aren't perfect because a lot of those guys who don't know what they're looking at kind of looking at the stat sheet. You saw that Cordell, and the reason I'm bringing that up is uh, Cordell Patterson got all pro kick returner for the Falcons. He ha- he has like 330 yards return. He-, he returned like eight or nine kickoffs. Keyshawn Nixon is the most obvious uh, all pro candidate for the return game. He has over a thousand yards. He just was amazing. He was a godsend this year for the Green Bay Packers. Like changed the whole, really changed their whole uh, dynamic of their team. But because he started probably halfway through the season, he's not getting the credit he deserves. Maybe guys still don't know who he is. Um, But that list, like, it's hard to argue with that list. I love the fact that the players got to look at it. It's like not the media, not all the narratives. They're not trying to create a story so they can talk about it on Fox or whatever it is. Like, real guys who play every single day against these players, hard-nosed guys, professionals, 
are making that list. So go appreciate them for that. I don't know if they're going to be able to get money off that as far as like you get money in your contracts for being all pro being pro bowl. I hope they can get it off being the NFL, NFL PL pro. Cause that to me would mean more than anything, but we'll see what happens this weekend. This is a fun one. Hope everybody enjoyed. Uh, hit me up, MikeWall68 on Twitter and TikTok. Hit me up, Process to Perform on Instagram. Check this out, Process to Perform channel on YouTube. And have a great weekend, everyone. We'll get back to you on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.